Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. How do we strengthen ourselves in the Lord? And I, I think there's, it's very simple. I think first prayer is one way where I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. Uh, I know for me, there are times where it, it might be just going through scripture. I'm going through God's word, rehearsing back what God said to me, what his word says, and I'm strengthening myself. There's, I have nothing but God's word to go on. That's where I'm gonna find my strength. That's where I'm gonna find my encouragement. Uh, if my outward circumstances are discouraging, I gotta look at what God has said. What do you do when you have nothing left? Sometimes life circumstances can be exhausting, physically, mentally, or both. Maybe you try to take a mental health day and just rest. What if you can't? What if you have kids or other family that depend on you? How do you get your strength back? Today, Pastor Bill suggests strengthening yourself in the Lord. But how? First, pray and go to God with how you're feeling. Secondly, dive into Scripture and look at what God said when outward circumstances are bad. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 30, as he begins his message, Coming Back to God. 1 Samuel, chapter 30. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather. Uh, Lord, that we can just stop, and I thank you for that time to praise you and worship you and be reminded of who you are, God, that, that you would be exalted here in our midst, Lord. God, as we open up your, your word, we believe it's living and powerful and that through your word, God, you speak to your people. You give us direction, Lord, and, and inspiration and guidance, Lord, and correction. And so, God, we pray as we read through and study 1 Samuel chapter 30, God, that you would do just that. Meet us in your word, God. Open it up to us. Uh, give us understanding, revelation, Lord, on whatever we need from you. Meet us in this place. Have your way. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, um, just for you guys that may be just jumping in, a little, little bit of a, uh, I guess, an update on where we are in the book. We're, we're in the life of David. Um, if you guys remember in the last couple of chapters, uh, you know, we, we saw the end of the life of King Saul. Um, but before Saul died, David was, um, Dave, something started in chapter 27, verse 1. Uh, where David went down kind of a dark path. And so in chapter 27, verse one, it opened with the phrase, and David said in his heart. And so he started talking to his own heart. He started instructing and informing his own heart. He was bummed out. He was discouraged because, I would presume, because Saul was constantly chasing him. He was going from caves to, you know, this place to that place. And so he said to himself, he said in his own heart, there's nothing better for me to do than to go on down and join myself to the Philistines who are the enemies of God. He says, Saul is eventually going to get me and kill me. And, and that's what I better go do. And so he convinced himself by talking to himself. And that was a mistake that led him into enemy territory. It led him into living among the enemies. Uh, we know that David would go out every day to raid other towns. And when he would come back in from raiding these towns, he would lie to the Philistine king and say, where you been today? Where'd you go raiding? And he would say, I was, I was whooping on some Israelites over here and over there. But really, 
He was whooping on some of the ites, some of the enemies of, of the Lord. And so um, what David would do so that word wouldn't get back is he would make sure everybody died. So David was doing a lot of killing during this time. And so I, I just want to bring us up to speed. Um, we talked about how God intervened on David's behalf. David got put in a position where the, the guy that he was under, uh, Achish, uh, um, Achish of the Philistines, basically was willing to take David with him to go to war with Israel. And David was willing to go. Um, but when Achish got to the rest of the Philistines, they were like, no, nah, he can't go with us. Send him on back home. And so uh, I really looked at that as God's intervention, because had David gone and fought against Israel and wiped out God's people again, I don't know that his story goes the way it ends up going. I believe God intervened and and there was a divine sovereign God shut a door that really didn't need to be open. And some of you know, God has done that in our lives where you just was bent on going the wrong way and God just stopped you. He helped you out. He shut the door for you. Um, he didn't always do that. But I believe in this instance, um, the, the door was shut through the Philistines saying you can't go. So we pick up today and today is the turnaround. I titled today's message. First Samuel 30, I titled it coming back to God. Um, things are going to go a little bit worse. And then David is going to finally come back around. Uh, we haven't seen David pray. We haven't seen him cry out to the Lord. We haven't seen him inquire of the Lord. I told you guys this season where David was in the, in the Philistines camp, there are no Psalms from this period. There was no, you know, inspiration for worship. This is just a dark, funky time of his life. And so, uh, but it turns around. So, it, you know, it'll get better in a minute. So, uh, I want you to consider, right, whether in your life you've ever had to come back to the Lord. Everybody needs to know the route back to God. Um, every believer messes up. And some of y'all mess up. Some of y'all, maybe you're listening to this and you're messed up right now while you're listening. Um, maybe not you guys, but the people online. But whoever, if you're listening and things aren't right, you need to know how to get it right. One of the wonderful things about the Lord is that he leaves a pathway back to him open. Amen. God is not like people. People will shut a door on you forever for one thing. But God leaves the door open. David has messed up. David has done some bad stuff. But God is not done with David. God is really just getting started with David at this point. So with that, chapter 30, look at verse one. It says, now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire. Let me stop right there. So remember, David and his men had left to go try to go join the Philistine army um, while they were gone, getting rejected. Uh, the Amalekites attacked Ziglag. That's where David and all his men were staying. How many men are with David? He got 600 men plus their wives and children. Right. And they've been given Achish gave them Ziglag. That was the area where he gave them where they could they could live. And so that's where they were living. That's where all their stuff was. And the Amalekites went and raided it, took all their stuff and burned it with fire. Let me just stop right there because it gets worse. But I want to just stop right there because everybody here got some stuff. Amen. I just want you to I, just, I need you to get into the scripture with me. So I want you to imagine that all your stuff you went gone, you gone, you went to some you went on a trip for a couple days and you came back and all your stuff was gone. And the house where your stuff was is burned 
with fire. There's something final about burning something with fire. Amen. As in, when you burn it down with fire, you ain't getting that back, right? That's not going to be restored. You're not going to wipe that off and, and, and it, it, it's, it's still good. Fire have a way, it's, it's the finality to that. All your stuff gone. I just want you to get into this with me. So for you, maybe it's a home. Maybe it's clothes for you ladies. Maybe all your shoes or your bags. I don't know what you guys revere for you men. Maybe it's your vehicles, your stuff. Everything is gone. It's all burned up. It gets worse. Verse two. And had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men get back. It says that it was three days it took them. And if you do the math, you know, from where they were going to where they went, they were traveling about 25 miles a day. That's about a marathon a day. Um, and so we're going to see in a moment when they got to go back and fight. Some of these people are like, man, we can't go. Whew. You know, about 200 of them, probably the, the chubby folk was like, we, we, we're done. You know, it's all the walking you're getting out of me, you know, whatever. So, um, but that's a lot of, I mean, if you imagine 25 miles a day at this pace, probably looking forward to just getting back home and getting back to whatever home was for them. When they got home and everything was burned up and all their stuff was gone, it was burned with fire. But worse than that, because the only thing more valuable than our stuff are our people, amen? All these men's wives and children were gone. And again, I got, I, when I put myself there, I'm thinking if, if I might be okay with my stuff being jacked up, but my wife and my child, I just want you to think of the anguish, the mental anguish of showing up if you have your parent and my kids have been stripped away from me, they're gone. I don't know who has them. I don't know what they've done with them, but they're gone. We know from the scriptures that they didn't kill them, but you don't know that. All you know is they're gone. If you're a man and you love your wife and you show up and your wife is gone, what have they done with her? You don't know. She's gone. Some other men rolled in and took her and she is gone. That's the situation David ends up in here. Now, I want to throw this out there. Um, it, would you guys, as you read this, do you guys think, May this might this be the judgment of God on David for what he's been doing? Could be. I, I found this interesting that the Amalekites who shouldn't even be here had Saul done his job back in the day. Wouldn't be an Amalekites. But anyway, Saul was a jack up and he didn't do what he was supposed to do. So Amalekites did this. But um, the Amalekites, pagan people that they were, were more merciful than David, because when David raided, he killed everybody. It says they didn't kill anybody. They took everybody alive. And so I thought that was interesting that these pagans are showing themselves in, in this instance to be more merciful even than David had been. And I wonder if maybe this is God saying this is the final spanking. I, God knows how to bring us to the end of ourselves. David haven't sought the Lord. David ain't talked to nobody but himself. David is doing his own thing, moving in his own way. He just almost messed up and went to war against God's people. And I wonder if this isn't the thing that God says, I know how to get you. I'm going to let them come on in there and wreak havoc. And so uh, I know that in my life, there have been times where God wanted my attention and God, God will use circumstances. God will use extreme circumstances to get our attention. And so in this instance here, God's going to have David's attention. He got everybody's attention, um, but it's going to impact David in a unique way. So the wives and children, the stuff all gone, all taken away. Verse three. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire and their wives, their sons, their daughters have been taken captive. 
Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Let's pause on that earlier. I, I don't know if you've ever, I've, I've cried before, but I've never had that kind of grief. I know people that have, but I want you to imagine, they said they wept. These are all men, warriors at that. Remember David's men were a bunch of thugs and hooligans and the distressed and the dis, discontented and all of that. These men are, it says they cried, they wept until they had no more power to weep. And I've seen people weep like that over the loss of a child, the loss of a husband, just exhausted themselves with weeping. That's the kind of anguish that all 600 men here are dealing with, that everything has been stripped away. Their families are gone, their wives, their kids. They don't know where they're at. And they wept until they had no more power to weep. Um, it says in verse five, and David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the, Carmel, um, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. So David also, his wives had been taken. He was in the same situation that they were in. And we get to verse six and there's the turning point in verse six. Um, there's again, they're, they're experiencing pain and anguish uh, of losing all. And in verse six says, now David was greatly distressed. You think uh, <laughs> he was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. I want to first take it up to the top where it says David was greatly distressed and the people considered stoning him. So the man that David, all the men that David had led are now they're discussing whether or not they need to stone him. Why? Because this is David's fault. Amen. Um, it's David's fault that they went to go to the Philistines. That was David saying, let's go. And then it's David's fault that, you know, they went and they got rejected. And so they're like, man, we, 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 we did what you said do. We left when you said go. We got there with, with you when you got there. And, and you got rejected because they know who you were. It wasn't us. It was you. Now we're all back and our stuff is gone. It's all your fault. And I think this speaks to the responsibility of leadership. Everyone's stuff was lost. Everyone's possessions were gone. Everyone's wives were gone. But David had to live with the extra uh, realization that, and it's my fault. And I wonder if anybody here has ever made a bad decision that others had to pay a price for. Maybe something you did, something you shouldn't have done that you did wrong and then others had to pay the price for your mistake it feels really bad. That's, that's a weight, right? Because it's your mistake. You did it. But now there's some other people that are being penalized. And, and if these are people that you care for, people that you love, uh, that's a lot of weight to be carrying. So David was, when it says he was greatly distressed, it was the fact that he knew he brought this on. I believe in David's heart of hearts, he knows, man, I've messed up. He knows he's not where he needs to be with the Lord. He knows the Lord. He knows better than what he's doing. And now, if that wasn't stress, all your 600 warriors are saying, man, we might need to stone this dude. Um, again, I've never been in a situation where I got 600 men saying I might need to die by stone. Just for you guys' benefit, anybody here, if y'all don't know how stoning goes in Israel, uh, it's it's pretty wicked way to die. You know, they throw you in a, in a you're, you're putting something lower where you're kind of in a ditch. And they start with small ones, right? Pelting you, pow, pow, ow, ow, you know, little, little, you know, but they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually when you're all dead, someone drops a big one on your head just to seal the deal. That's a stoning. 
That's not how I want to go. Well, I want, shoot me. Do you know I mean? Let me, let me, I want something instantaneous. I mean, a big gun, a big caliber, you know, but that's a bad way to go. And that's what David was up against. But, and I love the end of verse six. It says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. And while David's gone through a terrible situation here, um, in this moment, he turns back where he knows. Uh, It says he strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. He's looking to God for his strength. He can't find strength anywhere else. He can't get strength from his guys. He can't get strength. He can't look to himself. So he he strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. And I want to encourage you guys that there there may be times in your life where you can't find encouragement anywhere else. And you got to just find it in God. You got to just turn inward and just look. You got to look to the Lord just between you and God. You got to find encouragement in the Lord. I was trying to think through how does a man or a woman practically do this? How do we strengthen ourselves in the Lord? And I, I think there's, it's very simple. I think first prayer is one way where I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. Uh, I know for me, there are times where it, it might be just going through scripture I'm going through God's word, rehearsing back what God said to me, what his word says. And I'm strengthening myself. There's I have nothing but God's word to go on. That's where I'm going to find my strength. That's where I'm going to find my encouragement. Uh, If my outward circumstances are discouraging, I got to look at what God has said. Now, I wonder what was David considering? What might he have? What what could he be considering that would bring strength to him, that would reinvigorate him, that would encourage him and One thing I thought of is this. God had spoken over David what he would be. Amen. And David's not yet fulfilled all that God had said yet. And I wonder if that wasn't something that David said, no, I know I'm more than I know I'm supposed to do something more than die right here at the hand of these these guys. Um, Whatever the case is, he he turned back. Um, We'll see now that he's going to turn back. He's going to now inquire. This will be followed up with prayer and seeking the Lord and hearing from God. All those things that say that the relation with the Lord, that as soon as he turned back to the Lord, we're going to find that God was present and willing uh, to meet him right there. And that just for me reading this, I'm like, man, David, you've been gone for a minute, bro. You was in the caves and discouraged. And then you came to talking to yourself in chapter 27 and you was killing people and lying and living. I'm, you've been going the wrong way, a long way. But as soon as he turned back to the Lord, the Lord's like, I'll take you. We need to know that. I think so often believers get convinced that that, you know, God is waiting to 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 pounce on you, waiting to punish you, waiting to. But that's just not the, the picture we get in Scripture. Right. The prodigal son, the day he, the boy, the day he got back, father just saw him coming way down, ran out, fell on his neck, kissed him and received him just for coming back. And when we return to the Lord, you need to know that the Lord is quick to receive us. We're slow about coming back. He's quick about receiving us. Uh, it's, that's his will. It's his desire that we will come back. So, so David turns back. He strengthened himself in the Lord. Verse seven. Then David said to Beathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Now, why did he do that? The ephod had something in it called the Urim and the Thummim. And this was something that the priest would use to seek the will of God. So in that era, if you wanted to seek the will of God, that's why you needed priests. That's why Saul was so dumb that he killed all the priests. And then he was like, oh, no, my God is not speaking to me. 
you know, you killed them all. You know, you wiped out all the priests and run them all away or whatever. So David had, you know, he had Ahimelech's son and he asked him to bring the ephod so that he could inquire of the Lord. Verse eight says, so David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So a couple things I want to point out and I want to I want to make sure we get this because then we're going to read story. Right. David has been away from the Lord. David has been disobedient to the Lord. David has been sinning against the Lord. David been killing folks, raiding things, doing wrong stuff, was almost going to go to war against God's people with the Philistines. God blocked it and stopped it. And so finally, now there's some brokenness in David's life that causes David to say, I need help. I need God. I got nowhere else to go. Everything and everyone has turned on me. I have nowhere else to go but God. I got nowhere else to look but up. And as he looks up to God, this again, I love this for us. God is available. Right now, again, I, I think about people. If somebody rebelled against you, dogged you out, went against you, did stuff they shouldn't did. And, and then when they had no other option, turn back to you. Y'all ain't like God. Y'all, oh, oh, now you, oh, oh, now you calling. Um, you know, that, that's how people would do you. But we need to, we just need to know that God is not like people. Um, people aren't merciful like God is merciful. People aren't long suffering like God is long suffering. Um, I, I'm amazed at this, that God doesn't, he's not, God doesn't put us on, he's done on a, a punishment. God doesn't say, well, hold on now. Let's, we got to talk about what you've been doing, David. Um, when David turned back to the Lord, and David sought the Lord. The Lord listened. The Lord heard him. It says he. Uh, so David asked the Lord a specific question. Shall I pursue them? You know, shall I? Lord, is it your will? Do I go pursue these troops? Shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered him back. A command with a promise. The command pursue. The promise you shall surely overtake them and will without fail recover all. So David gets instruction from the Lord, go on and pursue them. And he gets a promise. So I want you to know when you go to war, when the Lord is spoken and God says, look, you're going to go, you're going to win. You're going to recover everything without fail. You're not going to lose anything. Um, you can go in confidence. Amen. If God is the one. So David's been going out before hoping. I hope it works out. Um, maybe he was leaning on his own strength because he had strength. Uh, he was a warrior. He was able to put together a he was able to put together a valiant army out of 600 misfits. Right. And so David maybe been leaning on himself. But at this point, that's all over with because it's all been stripped away. Something I would say to us, don't make God have to strip everything away for you to live like you're dependent on the Lord. For some people, if you, they got a little bit, they'll depend on everything but God until everything else is stripped away. Don't do that. Don't 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 make God have to. It doesn't have to be that way. You can have a lot of resources and a lot of power and a lot of gifts and still be 100 percent dependent on God. Or you can have a lot of resources, a lot of money, a lot of things and be dependent on yourself. And and, and sometimes in those predicaments, God's like, man, not until I wipe out all the stuff, you won't look to me. You won't be dependent on me. And we see examples of this in scripture. I think of King Asa in Second Chronicles. Um, chapter 15, he was a king who he really started out well, doing well, but a little victory, took spoils, became wealthy. And a man who started out his reign as king 
seeking God by faith. Later on in the middle of his reign, when the enemies came, he said, hey, 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 man, we got, we got money in the treasury for that. We ain't got to, he didn't pray, he didn't seek the Lord. He said, man, go in the treasury and take out this much and give it to them. Let them go fight for us. And it worked. It worked. You've been listening to A Transforming Word. As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Samuel, this book covers some interesting history in the Jewish nation of Israel. The book starts with a prophet declaring the first king of Israel, and the book ends with the death of this same king. Why did Israel desire to have a king so badly? Was it a case of everyone else has one, so we should too? It seemed to have been a situation where the people wanted a person to rule and reign over them, rather than just trusting God to do the kingly duties. As we all know, humans have a tendency to fail and falter, and the first king of Israel was no stranger to this. King Saul started off well, but he didn't end well. Power, prestige, disobedience, and insecurity were all part of his downfall. May these messages in the book of 1 Samuel be a good reminder and a lesson that no matter what man attempts to do, without God, things will surely crumble. If you'd like to hear this message again or listen to more messages from 1 Samuel, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call or text 310-245-4811. Once more, that number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel, here on A Transforming Word.